Hey, welcome to today's podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the injustice wound. Ah, this one messed me up for years. Oh my God. And this is so common that we don't catch it messing us up and keeping us stuck because we all do this. I'm going to give real life examples of how this can show up and how to really get out of this loop that keeps replaying every time we remember what happened. And listen to this. Evolutionary psychologists argue that injustice collecting is connected to our hunter-gatherer past, like food sharing and getting our fair share of resources. It made us hypervigilant in separating like a freeloader versus someone that deserves the benefit of the doubt because it was literally tied to our survival. And we maintain these ideas of fairness today. Super interesting and kind of crazy to see how these programs and conditioning start, right? Last time I checked, we are no longer (laughs) hunter-gatherers, but our subconscious did not get the memo. (laughs) Why? Oh, God. And this one hit so deep (laughs) into my victim story for so long, friend. You ready? I know, me neither, but we're going to hold hands and hear it together (laughs) because we are safe to do so. Because there are emotional payoffs for it. It allows us to justify being stuck where we are. I know. Let that land a second. It allows us to justify being stuck where we are. And self-pity and blame keeps us from letting go of unchangeable wounds and taking responsibility for our circumstances. Shit, we even get attention and sympathy out of the deal. (laughs) It's this weird double-edged sword. It's like our brain is convincing us that we are okay, not being truly okay. And we stay there unless we don't. So listen to this story. So my extended family came to visit for the holidays. Wanted to bring my kids some gifts and catch up. Cool. So we were exchanging updates on people that we've seen. And then somehow, like, like, doesn't this always happen with the family? We get on like the craziest subject. We get on the subject of a family member that had stolen money from my grandmother's house. I know, clutch your pearls. (laughs) The one family member goes, oh, her, she's a nut. We hate her. It's like, And I look at her and said nothing. And she went on to say, she stole from us. Here's why I paused and said nothing for a minute. This happened 15, 20 years ago. You would have never known it, though, with her reaction. Her anger, her disgust was right here in the now. But this happened 15, 20 years ago. I looked at her and I said very calmly, very detached, "Uh uh-huh, let her have it. Oh, shit. Well, here we go. She she turned real fast and looked at me with like big eyes. What? As I paused and prepped myself mentally to understand what's happening to her, (laughs) I knew exactly what was happening because I lived there for decades. I said, even slower, because now I know she's activated. (laughs) Let her have it. Not an okay at all. And validate that. Hear me out. I go to her. We just went to Uncle Joey's funeral a couple months ago, right? Tomorrow is not promised. 
we just lost you there. She's looking at me like I'm an, in, like an insane asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> you were in my kitchen just a second ago, playing a game with your nephew, enjoying life. And when that came up, you gave your joy and contentment away to her, to something that happened 15, 20 years ago. We lost you in that moment. Your smile and laughter was gone. I decided that I don't want to stay connected to her and feeling that way anymore. I don't want any more of my past to steal my present. They got quiet and the other family member, which usually does not agree with me either, simply nodded in agreement, which I was shocked by the way. Like, believe me, that was like a huge step for my family to like, <laughs> to even like accept that answer, like let it sit there was huge. And I don't want to brag or anything, but uh, I'm kind of an expert in injustice. <laughs> It's really awesome. The family member they were speaking about stole from me personally as a child, okay? Like, along with a bunch of other shit, but let's stay focused on here. I know, I know. Who fucking steals from a child? Um, This person. This person did. And I'm telling you, keep them, keep them pearls clutched tight, friend. So she stole my Christmas money, my birthday money for years. I was like eight until around 11. At first, I thought I was losing my mind and or misplaced it, like gaslighting myself, right? But then I caught on. But she was so mentally unstable that I would never actually say anything. Like, I still kind of like being alive. And <laughs> and let me tell you, I would hide it in like a hole in my teddy bear's like foot. like And like some kind of like fucking traumatized hound dog. She always found it. <laughs> It's kind of crazy that you can heal to a point where you can see it as awful and yet really impressive. Like, (laughs) we've come a long way, friend. And here's another kicker. It was this shift in thinking that allowed me to hang out with them. Like the family that came over. I revealed a major abuse with another family member two years ago that happened for years as a child. And long story short... They did not validate my experience real well (laughs) and then continued to be around this person like nothing happened. Um, hello? Justice? You there? Shh. Ah, bad connection. Got it. Got it. (laughs) When they would text me or like drop off presents for my kid, I was furious. How dare you? I lost those moments to something that happened decades ago. Not in okay at all. But I, I was still paying for that. I was pissed and resentful. I was continuing to pay for that injustice, right? Yeah, so how do you get out of this? (laughs) First, it's recognizing that we do it to ourselves more than anyone else. And starting there, in the book, The Four Agreements by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, um, he says true injustice is paying only once for each mistake. True injustice is paying more than once for the same mistake. 
The human is the only animal on earth that pays a thousand times for the same mistake. We have a powerful memory. We make a mistake. We judge ourselves. We find ourselves guilty and we punish ourselves. That should be enough. Like, that's it. Like, it happened. Okay, we, we take accountability. But no, <laughs> every freaking time we remember, we judge again. We are guilty again. We punish again, right? It's a loop that many of us learned in society, in church, <laughs> and in our families. Like, you know, like somebody will bring something up again, like that little side comment. And what it, you're right back there again, right? The way I found compassion and acceptance for others was three main things. And you can actually do these things. They're not just like, change your mindset. No, (laughs) like you can actually do this. So number one, I didn't try to forgive anyone. I know, what? First, I think the word forgive has gained this gross connotation that whatever happened was okay, or you have to pretend it didn't happen. You're just like, accept, no, I prefer to use the idea of compassion over saying forgiveness. It lands better for me personally, like just, you know, myself. I never put pressure on myself to do anything for anyone else because it doesn't work. You will naturally repel things that you feel forced to do. Oh, get over it already. Oh, you you should forgive your mom. She's still your mom. Yeah, you know what I'm not going to do now? All the shit you just said. (laughs) Our brains will attach harder to our convictions. I am reminded on the daily with my kid, trust and believe. Instead, put it all into yourself. We naturally project what we are. What we simply think we should be doing is nowhere near effective. And it will feel like so much more effort and energy to do so. So what I did was I started doing healing meditations and validated what came up for me. And then this leads to step two. I had to release the idea that life was supposed to be fair. I know. I know. Life's not fair. That sounds kind of shitty. Like when you say, I, I, I like the idea of just acknowledging that it was an injustice. You're, you're going to still acknowledge. It's not like life's not fair. No, like that feels very invalidating. You're going to acknowledge that it was unfair, that there was an injustice. And then validating whatever comes up, the anger, the resentment, the sadness, the shame. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to validate that for me and my inner child. It felt like they chose that family member's comfort over mine. Yes, that's valid. That's valid, Christina. It's not right what happened to us or the years after. Yes, that is valid. That is valid. I am so sorry that no one protected you, that they are unable to support you even now. Yes, that is all valid. I am going to give myself what I want to hear from others. And then I kept reparenting, forgiving or whatever you want to call it, giving myself compassion for all the shitty things I did because of what happened. Those trauma responses are not cute either. (laughs) Like that still hurt myself and others and all the mistakes I still make. I literally tell myself like a small child, it's not how you would have liked to have done that. Nope, nope. Ah, Christina. Okay, it's okay. 
It's okay to own what you did. You were taught for so many years to handle things that way. And it's how your brain felt safest. It's okay. You are still loved and can choose different next time. So I did that a bunch. (laughs) And this crazy thing started to happen. I had more empathy and compassion for my kid when he did something I would have gotten killed for. I started to see that people do things based on how they feel, how their brain feels safe. I started to see what might make a person do what they do. And this takes us to step three. This is really cool. I started to re-script life's happenings. Okay, yep. Call it Delulu if you want. (laughs) I'm just telling you, follow me, friend. I'm telling you this. This has freed me from so much. Because here's the thing. Our brain is going to interpret and make up a story anyway. (laughs) That's how brains work to scan and keep us safe and alive, right? Even how differently I deal with traffic on a daily basis is unreal. Like this is some like real nitty gritty shit, okay? And I used to throw down, I have you know. (laughs) Don't let the crystals and meditating fool you, friend. This takes a lot of awareness and reprogramming and it absolutely works. So what do you actually do, Christina? So glad you asked. Um, What does it look like in real life? In regards to like traffic, okay? Say someone does something out of pocket, cuts you off out of nowhere, goes through a yield when I have the right of way, okay? I tell myself a story that pulls in my empathy and compassion for whatever happened. And I do this out loud in front of my son if he is in the car. Like, geez, mommy, why are they going so fast? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know. That was scary, huh? Maybe there is an emergency and they are panicking trying to get somewhere. God, they just pulled out without even looking. I wonder if they just got the worst news ever. Maybe someone they love died and they are so out of sorts. Our brain is going to make up a story anyways, friend. You can assume that they are just a selfish asshole or you can make up a story that serves you all. (laughs) One that keeps your heart and consciousness intact and not connected to that situation. Stealing your present joy and contentment, keeping us stuck. And here's the thing. There is always a a grain of truth to the story that we are making up. They are either not okay for whatever reason or just being a human, which we have a hard time giving ourselves slack for, don't we? (laughs) So now back to the story with the family member that stole from me as a kid. It was not okay. It hurt me. It made me so angry, so sad. It felt unfair for someone to be able to do this and get away with it. Over and over again, I validate that to myself. And then I think of what might have been going on for her. I could see what a mental place she had to be in for her to do such a thing. In her case, she was powerless. Stuck at home with two babies, very young herself, was only allowed to go to places and spend what her husband allowed. I could imagine how desperate she was to just buy something that she chose that she didn't have to get permission for like a child to be so desperate 
to risk getting caught with your in-laws of all people. It must have been pretty bad. And when I could imagine never having a say in anything, her choice, I know, but I knew what it was like to feel buried in what you're in. And when I imagined that going on, I felt empathy and compassion for her. And that allowed me to find love for her, even though she had wronged me. And that set me free from the hate and emotional turmoil that my family was feeling when they spoke of her. Get it? And remember how I said that this is rescripting. Um, it's it's what allowed me to be, <laughs> it's really funny actually, this rescripting is actually what allowed me to be with the family I was just hanging out with. <laughs> they didn't realize it, but how they did not validate the abuse I spoke of and are still around that person. It's really hard to not take that personal, right? Like they chose him over me. Ah, another part of the Four Agreements book. Never take anything personal. Anything another does is because of their own mind's doing. When I had healed enough from my own crap, I could start to imagine why that might be for them. To help my own life in dealing with other minds do is the key. The abuse was by a very close family member to them. And for them to actually act on what I revealed would require them to face a truth about the person. For them to face that pain. For them to change how they do their lives with this person. And because of the trauma they went through growing up, their nervous system holding on for dear life, as mine once did, they can't. I myself acted like nothing happened for decades, still going to family events, putting on, I'm fine, everything's fine, (laughs) face. I couldn't face certain things about myself. I knew how that felt and how painful and scary it is. Not an okay, but I could see them with empathy and compassion too. And I actually wonder if it happened to them too, which would explain even more, right? Mirrors, mirrors everywhere. I'm going to give you one more example, and this one's good, that you may not think of from childhood. This one was courtesy of my husband. And yes, he gave me permission to share. (laughs) So he was getting triggered by our kid, trying to explain himself for stuff that my husband thought he was doing that he wasn't supposed to be. I was noticing the pattern and I was like, um, what's, what's, what's really, what's going on here? What's this really about? That doesn't feel like you, like not like now you. And when I did it that way, instead of like, what the hell's wrong with you, dude? Like, get off. (laughs) You actually get somewhere. It's crazy. (laughs) The injustice wound can cut deep. Even a simple childhood or teen event can stick with you. I go, where, where is the kid doing that reminding you of? He sat and he thought for a second. He goes, oh my God, I think I know where. I was like, oh, go ahead. Like, shadow work time. (laughs) He was 10 or 11 years old and was at a summer camp. 
the counselors brought out trays of cookies. Not to be given out yet, but when the counselors walked away for a minute, a bunch of kids ran over and were taking the cookies. And I'm watching him tell the story and I could see him, like his expressions and all the feelings of that day coming back. And he he wanted to be the hero and ran over to the table to stop everyone. And when the counselors came back, they only saw him by the cookies. And they blamed it all on him. Oh, my God. And I'm listening and I'm watching him go back there and I'm picturing his inner child standing there with big eyes and having everyone come at him. And, oh, my God, they sent him to the director's office. He said he tried to explain what he was doing and no one would listen to him. No one believed him. They called him a thief and a bad boy, and all the adults were talking about him so badly that he left the camp. They were talking about him at church and family events, like, Jesus, judging and shaming the shit out of him for a crime he did not commit. He was holding on to that injustice, that anger, that frustration, that outrage, and he saw that it it changed him. Now, He was afraid to step into situations, afraid to make bold moves with good intentions in life and projecting how he was treated onto our kid. I go, wow, I can see how much that affected you. Oh my God, that poor little boy. The injustice, the unfairness. I am so sorry you were treated that way. 11-year-old, you need your help. Validate the anger the frustration, embarrassment, and shame that he felt and let him know you believe him. You know the truth and are sorry that others would not hear him. Decades later and was still stuck making moves from that space and time, passing on the injustice to our kid if we did not take the time to look at the trigger. It's not an okay to the people that wronged him. It's a decision to no longer stay attached to those people and what happened in a way that hurts ourselves and others. Some might say, you're, you're letting them get away with it. I can see how it could look that way. And, and maybe it is, friend. Maybe it is. I had to choose If I wanted to stay connected to every shitty thing that ever happened to me, keeping that poisonous energy in my body to continue to mess up my current life, to be projected onto my kid now, to essentially steal away my present, or we could give ourselves all the grace that we needed growing up, all the grace we still need every damn day because we're freaking humans, man. (laughs) And re-script the hands that were dealt to us and will be continued to be dealt to us. Even somebody cutting you off in traffic. Maybe they are having the worst day of their lives. And that thought can keep you enjoying yours. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Sending you love and peace. See you on the next one, friend. Take care.